Hello and welcome to the Manchester It's Red podcast. My name is Stephen Rilston and we are recording on a wet Friday afternoon here in Manchester. After That probably symbolises the mood really after Manchester United drew 2-2 with Sevilla and the Europa League on Thursday night. A dominant performance from United in the first half, a two-goal lead and they somehow threw it away. I'm going to dissect that game. Uh, throughout the next half an hour, 40 minutes. Then I've got my two esteemed colleagues, Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall alongside me. Samuel, how are you? Not bad, thank you. Not bad, Stephen. How Good are you? To you? Uh, well, I was just sitting there. I could be better. I was invited to Andrew today. Couldn't take up the engagement, so instead you've got me, uh, Lucky Hughes and Ty. Oh, so you? you're not you're not at the races for <laughs> once. <right? laughs> it's becoming quite fast. <laughs> I was expecting you to be there, yeah. 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 Ty, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I'm all right, thank you, Stephen. I'm good. At least you're missing this um, this weather at Aintree. I, but yeah. what about a, a second career as a jockey? That's that's got a chance for oh, you. I was, I'm not that small type. <laughs> old, but you can't see the listeners. I was actually thinking I could be a racing journalist if this all was a bit peat tongue. So I might take up that in the future. <laughs> but Samuel, we've got football to talk about today. Um, you know, like I just said, look, it was a really disappointing end to the game. A fantastic first half, just like against Everton. They were 2 0 up at half time, but a brilliant brace from Sabitza. And then a few confusing changes from Ten Hag, I think it's fair to say. Sophia suddenly grew a bit of confidence to get a goal back in the score and extra time. Can you put into words how disappointing that end of the game was? Because it was really a, a, a knock, knock to the face, wasn't it? A disappointing result in the end. When the first Sevilla goal went in, I think we were discussing that United are going to be angry at winning this 2-1, never mind not winning it. And then, of course, uh, it ends up being 2-2 and it's it's a bit of a disaster. They they'd have they should have been disappointed had they only won that game 2-0 last night. They were that dominant. But this is, this is the recurring theme. They are a team that do not put teams to the sword. And at some sta- some stages, and it's happened before, they they end up shooting themselves in the foot, and they certainly did last night. When when we saw Veghorst, Eriksson, and uh, Ilanga called back, I think it's, as Ty said to me at the time, said Ten Hag had put three fingers up, and he was thinking this is Ty. He was thinking there's not a number three there, and then you saw they were all coming on, and uh, I, I can't have been the only one who found the choice of personnel odd because when you're bringing Veghorst and Alanga on you are knowingly weakening the attack Fernandez has, has told us before how much he hates coming off in a game even if a game is won he he wants to play 90 minutes um Sancho you think okay if, if if you're to make a change and you really want to enhance the attack okay take Sancho off because he he, he fades in the second half but Langa is a downgrade. Veghorst is a downgrade on on Marshall, but of course Marshall doesn't complete ninety minutes. But it it just it was so odd because United were only two 0 up, and all of a sudden it's there's this frivolous tone set in the first leg of a European knockout tie, and it was as I said in my piece, it felt like Old Trafford was hosting soccer aid with with Veghorst and Langa coming on. I, I just could not work out the logic behind it and Ten Hag has protested you know why he made those changes and the rationale just doesn't stack up he said that Fernandez was on a book in Anthony who of course went off in the 81st minute which was also contentious was on a booking and he didn't want to risk sending them off and yes the referee last night was officious the the booking of Fernandez for handball was utterly ridiculous and it, it can be different dealing with those occasions in continental games because you encounter referees who 
uh, as, as dodgy as English referees are, European referees will sometimes bewilder you even more with their decision making. And United, you know, experienced that against Real Sociedad in their first European game of the season with the handball that was given for Martinez, which was never a penalty, but the the referee on the night deemed it a penalty. And also Martinez got booked, and that contributed to his suspension later in the tournament. Yet even still, I I just don't buy it. You've got to trust the players to. Rain then rain it in if they have to, and Anthony was obviously in a pretty truculent quarrel with Marcos Acuna for a period, and was getting the crowd up and trying to wind up Acuna. But then later on, they were they were sharing a joke, and it's a Brazilian and an Argentine as Argentinian, so there's there's bound to be an edge to it. But in the end, it seemed like they laughed it off. But then Ten Hag still took him off, and in fairness to Palistri, when he does come on in games, he does tend to have an impact. But why wasn't he coming on for Sancho? And I know what Ten Hag would say to that if I bother to ask him. It would be, well, Ansi Alanga plays on the left wing and Palestri plays on the right wing. As if you know, that United have started a game with a right-footed left winger and replaced him with a right-footed left winger. I mean, I'm sure Palestri can play that role. He's played more often than Alanga this calendar year. He started more. Uh, he, he started against Betis this calendar year. When did Langer last start? I think it might have... Has he even started since the season resumed after the World Cup? I'm not sure he has. So however way you look at it, it just didn't make sense. And, I mean, Harry Maguire got booked against Fulham and that meant he was suspended for the next Cup game against Brighton. Uh, so completely identical situation to Fernandez. He he saw out the game. Uh, McTominay and I think it was Fernandez. They both got booked at Newcastle. They stayed on. So it's it's inconsistent. However, Ten Hag might, he wants to protest about it. And of course, in making those substitutes um, as prematurely as he did, there's always the risk that you end up with with ten men. That's exactly what happened. And to compound matters, that equalising goal comes from across into an area where the two centre back two centre backs uh, would usually be. Unfortunately for United, Varane is off, Martinez is off. They're trying to reorganise and, and Sevilla preyed on that, but they, they preyed upon it in a pretty uh, ramshackle way because the header was going closer to the corner flag before it hits the dumbstruck Maguire and it goes in for the equaliser. So it, it couldn't have really gone much worse after those changes were made and and also just the, the, from Veg, with Veghorst and like where you're reducing your goal threat, Palestrian Sabitza did well to get him into an area where he's probably six yards from goal, maybe eight yards from goal. And it was on for him to just turn and shoot and see if it goes in. But his confidence in front of goal is so low at the moment, he actually laid the ball off to, to the left back in Malasia. So again, if United were 4-0 up and he makes those changes on the hour, you think, okay, fair enough. You know, Give those players some game time, but they weren't. And you, know, you you take that risk and sometimes it can backfire and it certainly did and it was just strange that a manager who pre-match was so conscious of not underestimating a really poor severe side and they were dreadful for the majority of that first leg in the end he did underestimate them and Sevilla in, in the Europa League it seems like anything is still possible despite this severe side being the worst severe side for, for a good old while the last time you panicked, didn't he, when he received that ball from uh, from Weghorst? But I mean, any Premier League striker, as you, you said, Samuel would surely pivot and, and have an effort. Any striker with a assault would have a go from there from six yards. Surely you have to have a shot on goal. Yeah. Um, 
one thing I will say is that Fernandez's yellow card obviously much has been made of it the, the, the decision taken from him really wasn't the yellow card was it we can all agree on that we discussed that before came on there it was a bizarre decision from the referee um, Ty I think Samuel's hit the nail on the head with the changes but we've praised Ten Hag all season for his in fantastic on the whole um, but obviously it, it did let him down last night and it was pivotal in the game Um you got anything to add for you to what Samuel said? And also, I guess, the first half, the the finishing, again, that was a huge, huge sticking point, really, because, yes, they were 2 love at half-time, but just like against Everton at the weekend, it should have been 5, really, shouldn't it, or 4-0? Yeah, they, they should have been out of sight. And I think after when, when it's 2 after 21 minutes, I mean, me and Samuel were saying this this should be out of sight. It could have been out of sight at half-time, the way they were playing. Um, you know, when... I, I can't remember if I said it to Samuel or I was beginning to write it in my piece. I think I might have said it to Samuel maybe midway through the second half that if this finishes 2-0, they'll feel disappointed. And somehow it's it's finished 2-2, um, which is disastrous for them. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, very disappointed yeah. now. And yeah, I mean, the substitutions, I think it, it's all been said. Just too many at, at the wrong time. And you, you, you know, arguably you can understand what he's saying about those players, but he has risked players previously. Um, and you just... If you want to do that, fine, but do it in stages. You know, if Marshall has only got that length of time in him, take him off first, take Sancho off five, six minutes later, take Fernandez off 10 minutes later. When you're switching it all around in, you know, taking three of your, well, th- three of your four attacking options off the pitch, really, and, and bringing two on who just don't score goals, really, it, it you know, it, it sent out the wrong message to Sevilla. And, and like someone said, when I saw the three, when I saw him do the, the three signal and, and call them all back, I thought it was maybe a statement of, things are getting complacent and thought it'd be some of the the weaker, maybe more obvious players going off. And I think we were all amazed at, at the identity of those players who who went off. So, yeah, I think it was, like I wrote in one of my morning pieces, it's, it's been his biggest strength this season, his in-game management, his boldness with substitutions, but it turned into a weakness last night. And one thing I thought was interesting from the the press conference, we, we all got, um, I was going to say hung up, but we all got, Involved in debating exactly what it meant when uh, when Tan Hag said you never look a cow in the ass, but I did think it was quite interesting that in explaining those substitutions, it did feel like he was rebuking Fernandez and and Anthony for getting in that position really. And I think yeah. we've all focused on on Ten Hag's decision to make the subs, where it felt like he was laying some of the blame at the players, especially with um, Anthony. And you you could say that that even had a, had a bigger impact on on breathing life in, into Sevilla because he, he tried that ridiculous trick he does at a point where there was no need to do it. He was never beating a man doing that. It was purely to show off. He just hit the bar. He was playing well. He was full of confidence. He thought, I'll do this trick. He messed it up. The ball went out of play. He lost his temper and kicked out at Acuna. They had gotten, gotten a little scrap. And like Ten Hag said, when you're tuning up and cruising, don't give the opponents something to, to hold on to. I can't remember exactly how he phrased it now, but basically don't don't give them life. And it, it riled Sevilla up. It caused a melee on the pitch. Acuna, who's, who's maybe their most sort of hot-headed, passionate player, starts having this running battle with Anthony and, and suddenly Sevilla feel alive in a game where they've been dead. And all because Anthony tried that trick and, and started a, a melee. And you look at, you know, look at Liverpool Arsenal last week. Liverpool were dead and buried in that game. Alexander, Alexander Arnold and Xhaka have that coming together. And it kind of breathed life into the rest of the Liverpool team. And, and the same thing arguably happened with, with Sevilla. Not to the same extent. They didn't improve dramatically, but they had more of the game. And they they clearly finished the stronger, even if there was a, a big element of luck to, to both goals. So I did think it was interesting that 
Ten Hag did kind of point the finger at, at those two players for even getting in that situation. Just give them that little bit of edge, didn't it, really? To feel that little bit of belief and spark yeah. something into the game. I mean, Anthony was a bit naughty kicking out, which is talking about before. Um, VAR could have checked that. It could have been a yellow card or whatever. It was definitely a silly thing to do. And I guess he has it in his game, really has it. It's like something he needs to control going forward. It's one of those players where you can kind of go either way or the other with that. Um, Samuel, obviously, the, the result was made even worse by the injuries that were sustained. Baran came off at half time. Harry Maguire came off for him, and then Lissandro Martinez came off. But all the changes had been used to that point, so United had to play with, uh, with 10 men for the final stages. Um, Baran and Martinez have obviously been first choice at halves this season. They've been absolutely fantastic, and we've discussed at events about the impact Martinez has made. <laughs> what kind of impact uh, or how bad is that going to be for the, for the team? Because you've got Harry Maguire coming in, Victor Lindelof, who, let's face it, we associated with the, the Sarsgaard and um, that pairing. Can they do a job? Is, is, is history showing that they could be good enough for the level that, that is needed? And there's also concern, isn't it, because Maguire's suspended for the Brighton game, so that was another spanner in the works. The, the back five against Forrest could be a, a Solskjaer back five that he settled on at the start of the 2019-20 season, if, if Luke Shaw's fit for that. It's... I mean, to compound matters as well, I suppose, uh, Maguire's suspended for the FA Cup semi-final next week. So if Shaw is not back for that, my, my gut feeling is that he, he will be. I mean, Ten Hag spoke quite confidently that he'd be OK for Forrest this week. Then um, then you're looking, if provided Shaw is available for the Cup game, then it's, it's going to be a centre-back pairing of, of Lindelof and Shaw for that one, uh, unless Varane makes a, a really speedy recovery. But it's not a coincidence that the equaliser came from across into an area that you know, it wasn't Maguire's fault, really. I think it was Casemiro got out jumped, and the ball, as I said, it was going over the corner flag, the, the header, and then it just bounces off Maguire's head, goes in for the equaliser. But at the very end of the first half, there was a really important header by Varane, who was, who was injured at the time, right on his goal line to ensure that, um, I think it was from the header that De Gea um, got, obviously palmed it away and it went up in the air and Varane is the one who's on the goal line and he, he's head and shoulders above everyone to head the ball away. And he does that when while injured. That's that's a sign of someone who's, who's a world-class centre-back and he has been a world-class centre-back for, for most of his career. And it's kind of gone under the radar how pivotal he has been to Martinez's brilliant season at United. Martinez had two really, really chastening first games as United play against Brighton and Brentford. Only lasted a half at Brentford. Varane came in with him for the next game. And as a pair, they've not really looked back ever since. They've they've had the odd wobble or the odd disaster like at Anfield in, in March. But they've been two of the best centre-backs in the league this season. And Maguire's done okay. And he's obviously got this statistic that in the last 10 games he started for United, they've won all of them. But you look at the opponents they've played in that time, I think they've only come up against one team that were in the top half of the Premier League table at the time of the fixture. Two of the opponents were Reading and Charlton, so that's a championship side and a football league side. Raul Betis were the other side, who were fifth in La Liga, and United pretty much made mincemeat of them. It's, I mean, it's somewhat ironic that United, have, the worst of the Spanish teams they've, they've played all season, um, in, in the knockout rounds, and, and somehow they contrive not to beat them um, on, on Thursday night. I think on, on Sunday they should be fine because I don't see any reason to change the front six at all. And the front six played pretty well, apart from not scoring enough goals against Sevilla. 
uh, with the way things are at the moment. Although Sancho faded very, very uh, quickly in the second half, th there isn't an alternative there. Garnacho's injured and Rashford's injured. So I think to keep a settled front six uh, makes makes infinite sense. So Bits has benefited from it. Fernandes is playing well. I think Anthony is... He, it was a shame for him last night ended the way it did. And uh, I mean... Ty's right because it's it's the Anthony, isn't it, that, that people talk about. He looked like a complete so and so against Samuel, was it Sheriff when he did it. I've saw you do that before. I've saw you do that before. Don't don't you, you may you may have seen me try. It might have been uh, <laughs> it might have been an unwit an unwitting attempt at it. I, it would never have been deliberate, <laughs> but he looked like an idiot when he did it against Sheriff, and he did that nil nil as well with half time looming against a team from Moldova, I think, who you know. I mean, if if it was nil nil at half time, then there'd have been questions asked for United, and then he tries it last night. Like, there's absolutely no need for it, and he was subbed that evening. Although I think he he was injured, but it was still it was unclear at the time whether he'd been been punished by Ten Hag. But but Anthony's been playing well of late, so there's there's no need to take him out of the team. There's no need to take Marshall out of the team because Marshall was excellent. Uh, he he didn't get a goal, but as as a as a striker's performance, that was all it was lacking against Sevilla, Sevilla for his for his hour on the pitch. But next week, I mean, it was all it was always shaping up to be a big week. But next week is huge now because uh, we, we for those of us going to Seville, we thought we were going to have a similar trip to to last month going out there with the tie all but boxed off and maybe not a lot to write about. But now um, it's it's going to have a major bearing on United season. And three days later, they've got the FA Cup semi final against a Brighton side who'd have because they're such a good side would have fancied their chances against United anyway. But when you consider the key personnel United may be without for that game, uh, that's I don't think I don't think whatever team United put out against Brighton, if Brighton win, I don't think it should be regarded as a shock because they're that good a side and they've they've turned over United a couple of times in the last year. Pep Guardiola described Brighton as the best team from playing out the back in the world today. It's quite the cool, isn't it? From Pep. I mean, he does sort of... He, he, right does, he, does, he does this with teams who he's pulverised, doesn't he? Yeah. Exactly. It's like, it's like Marcelo Bielsa. Marcelo Bielsa. So good. So, so good. So, so good. But every time Barcelona <laughs> played Athletic Bilbao, it was 3-0 or 4-0 or a, a thrashing of some sort. Yeah, you could do a Pep Guardiola impression uh, when you retire, Samuel, if you, if you need a bit of cash. I'd hire you. I, it's, I think uh, I think it's decent. That that was that was half-hearted as well. So uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll I'll, I'll give <laughs> give the full. I've, I've got an impression of my own coming up, but I'll save that for part two. It'll be interesting uh, <laughs> centre back situation. Of course, it really will, uh, and hopefully both of those players are back sooner rather than they because I've been superb. But we'll leave it there uh, for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two. I did get into the negatives every league because that's what it was at the end of the game. Really disappointing. But as Samuel kind of touched upon there in his last answer, there were a lot of positives on the night. The attackers, apart from not killing the tie, they worked really well and they connected really, really well. They looked brilliant, really. Um, Sabitza, let's talk about him. Sort of brace, two fantastic goals. Is it a case of Rio Ferdinand once said anyway? Sign the numbers, put the contract on the table, man. Give him anything he wants. Is it a case of that? Uh, and it's a bit to done enough to, to earn a permanent move in the summer. I think he's he's probably done enough to be considered, but uh, I mean, I would caution against it for the reasons I've said 
on on previous podcasts that the, the last thing that midfield needs is another twenty nine year old. Um, you know, it's got Fernandez who turns twenty nine in September, Casemiro thirty one, Eriksson thirty one, Fred thirty. What's the point in signing someone who's going to be fourth slash fifth choice if they sign another midfielder this summer who's who's twenty nine? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And yeah, he's done pretty well, but there's there's younger players who could come in and do exactly the same job for that midfield. Hey, where is your choice? He's fantastic. He's been fantastic in number ten role. Has he journeyed the last two weeks? He was good, and he's a very good presser, but. There is, you know, there are there are there are midfielders, there are number eights, number tens in in midfield in Europe who are younger who can do just as good a job, I think, as as Sabitz. I mean, and like I say, he's done good. And if 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 he was if he was twenty four, I'd say sign him. But I do think you've got to have an eye on the age profile of that squad. And you know, if you want to see what happens when you sign only sign Asian midfielders and, and don't sign any younger ones, then just have a look at, at Liverpool this season. And there's. You know, we can look at the moment and say well, the United midfielders no midfield is nowhere near that. But Liverpool's wasn't last season. It it can happen pretty quickly when you have a, a midfield that is heading to the point where where you know on the the improvement curve starts heading downhill rather than uphill. So I think it would be a dangerous game to to have. You know, if you're going to have a midfield five, say of Fred Sabitzer, Casemiro, Eriksson, Fernandez, they're all twenty nine to thirty one. You know, who's who's next? You're not certainly going to say Scott McTominay's next to come in and start in one of those positions if if one of those does start to struggle or anything. So, so no, I don't think it would make any sense to sign him permanently. But I do think he played very well last night. I think that switch with Fernandez has has worked well. Um, Sabitzer's pressing is is excellent, better than Fernandez's, I think. I thought it was noticeable last night the number of runs he was making and those third man runs that managers like running beyond Martial, beyond the forwards. Um, both his goals came from running beyond the last line of defence and and getting through essentially one on one really, which is um, which is what you want from someone in that position, almost playing as a second striker at times. So, so yeah, he did play very well, and at the moment he is playing very well. I think that's five starts in a row now. First time he's done that for United. First time he's done it for anyone since September. So you can see that he's he's got that probably that rhythm and that match fitness that he needed now to to show his best. And I think he's. He's clearly above um, Fred in, in that midfield, and at the moment he'll hold off Ericsson on, on fitness alone. So yeah, I thought he played very well, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be signing him this summer. That's fair enough. That's sensible analysis. I'll let you off. But one thing you didn't mention was that he was wearing gloves. Uh, that is a negative. On such a mild <laughs> night, a bit. I was wearing gloves. You could get a tad old draft last a night. A mild night. Like... You can tell you were sat inside, mate. <laughs> No, Tay, just forgetting, I am from Newcastle, so anything moderately will tend to be You were the topless guy, were you? <laughs> that was me. Um, another positive Samuel was Martial. We've, we've discussed him a lot this season, his fitness issues. And we all know, I think Gary Nelson, if you talked about that last week, where he says, look, we all know about Martial. Fantastic player, quality, sharp when he plays, but his fitness is the problem. He did look really sharp, in all fairness to him, didn't he, last night? He, he was essential to that link-up player for the first two goals. But, but as we've talked about, and as I just keep saying, the problem is his fitness, isn't it? He's probably just not going to stay fit. He's He's been training for more than five weeks now. And if you, United aren't going to push him, and I asked Ten Hag about it again, not again, but it's, there's always a different Marshall question to, to ask at the moment in terms of his um his return to the team it's a sub appearance so then is he ready to start then he starts and then is it ready to play 90 minutes and ten hag said it's still a risk and this is a player who as i said has been back training for five weeks uh, going to be nearly five and a half weeks by the time the forest game 
comes along. And that is why, or one of the reasons why they want a striker in the summer. Uh, I think my, my, my friends messaged me during the game last night and said that, that that sagacious pundit Robbie Savage had said, oh, if Marshall plays like this, then Man United won't need a striker, which is, you know, That's why from, the king of bad ta- from the king of bad takes, it is a bad take. Uh, it's I something that you could have said three years ago. It's something you could have said four years ago, five years ago. Uh, going back probably to, to this time in, in Marshall's first season even. And every time United have needed to sign a striker. And there's been a reason why they have kept on signing strikers. I suppose three years ago, there wasn't an essential need for a new uh, number nine to come in. But Cavani did on, on deadline day. And that that was as much because COVID had wrecked Odin Agalo's United career. He was actually quite handy for United and then after the se- after the season resumed he was um he, he was not of much use whatsoever. And that's the the, the frustration with Martial is that everything is there. The, the the talent is there, the quality, the the assist for Sabitzer's second goal was one of the best pieces of play I've ever seen from him in the I think what enhanced it from our view certainly was that Wambisaka was coming up on the right hand side and another player would have seen him in oceans of space and thought immediately, right, get it out to him because nobody's marking him. And if you play a pass that a lot of people aren't, a lot of people can't see, that that's a, a sign of a great pass. And it really was for for Sabitzer. I mean, Sabitzer was pointing at Marshall straight away uh, as as he celebrated. And again, that's normally a a, a good sign that the, the player, the provider, has has done a brilliant piece of work and it was one of those assists that was probably better than the goal itself. He will start, it feels like, against Forrest on Sunday unless he, he sustains another injury. But we, we, we United cannot be and they will not allow themselves to get into this cycle where he's going to be the main striker they're depending on and can he play 90 minutes, can he not play 90 minutes. That in itself was a problem because if he if he could play 90 minutes then he probably wouldn't have come off uh, last night and you're not putting Veghorst on who as I said in front of goal at the moment there's there's just no confidence there whatsoever especially when he's laying the ball off to a left back but it's 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 going to be tricky for United because you know they are they are very much managing Martial in a way that is is curated for him and they are treating him with kid gloves but you're you're still expecting, you know, when you go to a Ten Hag press conference, you, and the injury question is asked or the team news question is asked, you're half expecting him to say Anthony Marshall won't be available because he suffered a setback in training. If he can get through these last uh, two months of the season without getting injured, then you would imagine United will have a good end to the season because when he's fit and firing, he's a brilliant player to watch, but. We, we keep saying the same thing about Marshall. Um, it seems like every year that he's at United and there has to come a point where you just do what's what's the best thing for the club and the player and, and for all parties concerned. And I suppose looking at it from a somewhat cynical perspective, but it's certainly United's perspective, is that if he does stay fit for the running and he is playing like this, he's a much more sellable asset than he was during those three months when he wasn't getting a kick because he was out injured. I'd be staggered. A little pleasantly surprised, to be fair, if uh, Martial does not have another injury from now until yes. the end of the season. But it, it would be great to see, because he has really, really struggled, which is well documented. Under the subject of BT punditry and BT coverage then, um, you guys wouldn't have saw the hair's pre-match interview, um, where for the first time, I thought it was quite interesting, he was a bit vague over his future. He said, I want to win trophies this season. But he says, let's see what happens. And I, 
I thought that was him kind of leaving the door open to a potential exit. Samuel, I know you asked to hear about his future last week, but Ty, um, me and Samuel were chatting about it uh, just ahead of the weekend. Uh, sorry, early in the week. What do you think is going to happen with the his future? Because we're obviously negotiating a new deal. And I asked Samuel this question, do you think it's possible that we could see him leave, leave the club in the summer? No. No? I don't think he will. And I know there's two and a half months to I, go. I just find I those don't... comments really interesting because in the press conference... Yeah, but I think direct, it's... That was a bit more vague. Yeah, but I don't think... I don't think he's saying it to um, give an honest take, shall we say. I think he's saying it probably for the benefit of John Murta um, and part of the negotiating to maybe get a wait it few out, more get a bit of, of salary. I just well, he was yeah. didn't he say? I don't he see who it repeatedly benefits. Oh, it's going to end in a happy end, and he said that multiple times in the mix. Of it. He's, he's said it all the time, yeah. yeah. Which maybe weakened his, his negotiating <laughs> position because he's he said all along. I mean, he said to, when we when we. Interviewed him on a bed in in Perth on pre-season. He, no, he said to Samuel, you did, you did what, then, I think I think it was I think it was Samuel's <laughs> question about finishing his career at, at United, and he he said he would, and, and maybe that was the the relaxed mood of the the Manchester pack being draped across a hotel bed that that made him <laughs> giddy. But he has said it all season, and it's gonna it's gonna end happily, and it is a bit of a change of tune now. But I don't I don't see who it benefits to leave to for him to leave because the the for me the best offer he would get is at United. If he goes where there, there is no market for him on that money, even at United, he will have to take a pay cut. Saudi to Arabia. At United, but I would still, well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I would still hazard a guess that out of European clubs, United will pay him more than anyone else. I mean, if he goes back to Spain, you're talking like a Sevilla, maybe a Villarreal. They're then able to pay him more than 50, 60 grand a week, probably. There's no market for him in Spain. There's no market for him at PSG. Maybe Italy, but I can't see that any of them would match what United would pay him. I think United want him to stay. I think Ten Hag's accepted now that he's he's probably worth keeping for another couple of years. Um, it'd be cheaper to get him to sign a new contract, you know, even on 150 grand a week, than to sign a new first choice keeper. I just I don't see who it benefits to to leave. So I just I don't see a scenario where it happens, and I don't I don't think. I don't think it's in De Gea's interest to go because, like I said, I don't think he'll be- get a better offer. And um, I just don't think... I, I just don't see it, basically. I don't I don't see it happening that, that he goes for nothing because I don't think... He's playing hardball as well, I think, because he knows that United aren't going to turn around and say, right, well, that's it. That's our last offer. We're done here. Because I don't think United want that. So I think eventually it, it's all just part of the, um, the, the games around contract talks. I don't really see either party thinking it's beneficial for it to end in, in De Gea leaving. So I don't see why why he would leave. I might be wrong, but that's just my my reading of it. We'll clip this up when his contract's announced in a month's time. Um, <laughs> regarding your expectation for the second leg, Samuel, just round off this segment, um, what are you expecting, really? Because I mean, we sat on this podcast a couple of days ago and I confidently said, look, you're neither going to breeze through this tie and the, that prediction on off time. It's going to be a really tricky game, isn't it? Considering the injuries and the suspensions uh, for next week, it certainly is, and th- that is a very atmospheric stadium as well. Uh, it was a—it's one of the best atmospheres I've I've experienced, and that was for a pretty forgettable game in in twenty eighteen that ended nil nil. Sevilla will probably fancy themselves on on the strength of playing at home of. Uh, coming from 2-0 down to, to get it back to 2-2 and also the, the the injuries that have piled up for United. United are somewhat optimistic that Rashford could be back 
for that game, which would obviously be, be, be a huge huge boost and they they do need some some concrete news on the injury front to stand them in good stead going into that game whether it's Rashford or or Varane who's able to to make it I think they take take either of them at this rate but it's I mean it's it's this is the quirk of the the away goals rule being abolished we're we're back at square one it's it's effectively it's nil nil again what what happened in Old Trafford was is by and large quite meaningless apart from the psychological fillet that um Sevilla have taken uh, from it in terms of the the football side of things it's uh, it's it's a clean slate for everyone so you would still back united to score in in Spain uh, even without fernandez and rashford and taking into account their goal scoring issues and and maybe reinforcing their focus and the need to actually be more clinical and take their chances maybe that will finally get them to a point where they're actually you know putting the ball in the back of the net more often than we're accustomed to to seeing from them but i i it really wouldn't surprise me if again this uh, yeah i think the barcelona tie had the makings of it and it wasn't far off with that opportunity for Lewandowski at the death but it certainly got the makings of of going into extra time as well uh, but United's record in Spain recently has been pretty good as well. This is a very different setting, though. It's it's a much more there's a lot more jeopardy um, riding on this one, where it is a second leg and the, the tie is, is is well and truly open as well. I did about both of you, but I was quite disappointed to see uh, the away goals abandoned. That's the drama for me. But I mean, in this case, it's good for, good for does United it doesn't it doesn't doesn't it yeah. So this case is for and against, but we'll not get into that. Yeah, really, that's. Yeah. A, for another day and we'll round off there and we'll be back in a moment for a look ahead to the forest game on sunday afternoon now tie another trip to the city ground for you and samuel uh a fantastic little stadium do you think sunday's game could be a potential banana the united i mean forest are obviously struggling they picked up a bit um, but really, the last few results have been quite woeful. But they are fighting for survival, and, and Tenog talked about that whenever they talked about the mentality of these teams. It does make it difficult. And also, regarding team selection, do you think we could see Christian Eriksen start the game? Because we just discussed before, Fernandez is going to be suspended for that second leg in Spain. So does it make Ooh. sense to put Eriksen in from the start, or do you think he'll start with Fernandez and just go full strength? How do you think that's going to work out? I think he'd start with Fernandez and, and go as as full strength as they can. Certainly the midfield, I think it would it, I would expect it to be the same as as Thursday night with Eriksson coming on. I think it's probably a touch too soon still for Eriksson to be starting games, but man, you never know. I mean, he got half an hour, I suppose, on on Thursday night, didn't he? But I think you'd probably look at another twenty minutes, thirty minutes at at Forest, and then and then start at Sevilla. I mean, it's it's definitely got potential for to be a banana skin purely on what happened on, on Thursday night and the fact that they've got so many injuries now. You, you're without Rashford, you're going to be without your first two centre-backs. And like Samuel said, the, the back four doesn't look hugely convincing um, when you see it on, on paper now. And if Shaw's fit, it could be that that Solskjaer back four or back five with the goalkeeper. So I think it's a, a banana skin. Like you say, Forest form is, is pretty reckless. I mean, uh, pretty awful, sorry. Um, Steve Cooper seems to be surviving game to game there at the moment. And got the old-fashioned vote of confidence last week, didn't they, I saw? And that usually means that you're one game from the sack and you can you can see Forrest, although all the fans, I think, want him to stay. And 
I think if they sacked if they sacked Steve Cooper and went down, I think Steve Cooper would be back in the Premier League before Nottingham Forest would be. Um, but I'm not sure that'll necessarily stop them from um, from sacking him. And they are on. I was just having a look there. They've not won since February the fifth, um, so they are on a dreadful run of form. I, I guess it can be a tricky place to go. They were quite good at the City Ground earlier in the season, but United made very short work of of going there in the Carabao Cup semi final and. They they should be doing the same again, but like like we say, it's it has got potential to be a banana skin just because of the fact United played on Thursday. Have got these injuries now, and it it went so badly wrong. But you feel that they could do with a win just to kind of get back on the horse and, and get that um, get that feeling from Thursday night out of their system. The results picked up a bit, but as I've just kind of said, they're, they're quietly struggling again. I didn't notice until I checked the yeah, tyres. You just recently, and you look yeah. at their last five games have been really really poor. Um, Samuel, you said you'd expect probably the, the attacking six or the, the front three and the midfield to stay the same. Um, we've talked about Marshall's fit in this. Do you think he can play a full 90 minutes with his condition at the moment? Do you think that's possible or do you think it's inevitable that Weghorst will be brought on at some point? No, no. I I, I, I answered that question earlier. As Ted Hargan said for me earlier this afternoon. He, he said that it's, it's a risk still. Um, that that's not ideal for United because if they're in a situation where the game's even at uh, an hour in, which it was obviously against Sevilla, and you have to take him off, then you're weakening the team unless you find an alternative solution to putting Veghorst up front. Uh, maybe you need to be a bit more creative and, I don't know, possibly move Sancho through the middle or Anthony through the middle. But someone who's more of a goal scorer in threat than than Vekos. I know Anthony has, has been playing quite well recently without actually scoring. He's not got a Premier League goal since October. So whatever the alternative is, it's it's imperfect. But it's again, it just comes back to this point that they they need a striker in the summer. Any argument suggests that they're fine with the current tax that they've got is is nonsense. It's it's a completely nonsensical argument that a player who has not completed 90 minutes in the Premier League for more than two years still cannot complete 90 minutes in the Premier League. And the earliest point he's going to be able to do that this month is at the moment it's shaping up to be Tottenham away on, I think that's April the 27th. Is, is anybody expecting him to do it then? Probably not. I think it would be a surprise if Marshall gets 90 minutes under his belt for United be- before the end of the season because he's being treated so, so carefully uh, by by the medical staff and, and by Ten Hag and you know the, Ten Hag knows how much better United are with him in the team and how much more fluid they are. I think if you look at the um, that run in the team that that Marshall had earlier in the season when when he came back from injury and he he stayed fit when he wasn't playing at the World Cup for for France. I think when when United resumed their campaign against Burnley, I think he must have started about you know. Pretty much five or five or six Premier League games on the spin. It was only when the City game came along, and then he, he had to withdraw from it at half time. But this is the problem they have with him. If I mean they were treated him quite carefully then, and he wasn't completing ninety minutes, he was coming off at certain points. But there always there comes to a point where he's liable to break down. And you know, Forest, uh, you know, they've they've got a few bruises in their team as well, and they they can be quite a physical side. United should still beat them regardless, but whatever whatever way they go about it with the attack, even with Rashford fit, it's not ideal because Rashford is not is not United centre forward. He plays off the left. He he only 
plays through the middle when he absolutely has to and it got to the point where where Veghorst's place was was untenable and even though Marshall wasn't ready to start a game they thought well we'll have to play play Rashford through the middle and accommodate Sancho on the left so they have options in that sense but it comes back to the tip of the arrow and whoever starts there they're just not sharp enough whether it's lack of goals or a lack of fitness and that there have been a few occasions where that has cost them this season and unfortunately for United in the situation they're in at the moment and with the games uh, yeah with, with the he- with the schedule as as hectic as it is and with there's so much to play for it's it's liable to be an issue again between now and what well, I think their season could end at the very latest June the 3rd in the FA Cup final are you listening Robbie Savage I hope so uh, Remarshial. To end the podcast, then, Ty, I've had a quick look at the table. United are obviously in fourth, Newcastle are above them on goal difference. Now, we all thought that probably had third wrapped up, and then the last few weeks or a month and a half suddenly been blown up in that quote unquote race for the top four. But the question I wanted to ask you really was obviously Tottenham sitting fifth, they're three points behind. Do you think they have the quality to really put pressure on, on the top four? I think they have the quality. I'm not sure they have the consistency, um, the way their season's going. But obviously, that game at um, at Tottenham is is going to be is going to be big. Um, I, I don't know what the situation in terms of games played will be. Then obviously, United aren't playing next weekend. I'm not sure if Tottenham are. I presume they are actually. So it might be level on 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 games played there. Um, so with the gap that they could, and I suppose theoretically, United could go into that game at Tottenham actually in fifth. If Tottenham, if Tottenham are playing and yeah. winning their game in hand by then, given their their goal difference advantage, so that would make it a, a real pressure game for United, I think. So yeah, there's 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 certainly still reason to to be looking over their shoulder. It makes these games at Forest even bigger. Um, they're you know their running is is tricky. That and that Tottenham game comes at a point where they've got some real testing away games. They've got Brighton away the following Thursday, who. You know, best team in the world, building up from the back, and I think, I think we, I mean, we'll touch on this next week. But I actually think the way Brighton play could could be a real headache for for the way United have played so often under Ten Hag. So, I think that away game, depending on what happens in the cup semi final, could be tricky. West Ham away, um, yeah, I mean, they might be in a position where they're fighting for points. They're obviously they, you feel like they're a better team than they've shown this season, a team of capable of of raising their game on the day. So they, they've got some tricky games. Those those three especially in the space of what would it be, three out of four would be would be away from home. Um so there, you know, there's reason to still be looking over their shoulder. It, it does feel and it has felt for a long time like fourth is guaranteed, but I think we are in a position now where especially with the way the the injuries have happened and the way the squad could be stretched over the, the final weeks of the season and the fact that they're still in these competitions when Tottenham, for example, have have nothing else to play for makes it a um, want, want to be cautious and, and given they've got a much tougher games to do be coming up against you can't really afford to be slipping up away at Nottingham Forest I think it, it does them a it, it's it's a big favour for them that on the day of the semi-final against Brighton Tottenham are at Newcastle so you've got essentially the two players oh, sorry the two clubs United sandwich between uh, they can't both take take three points in that game, obviously. So that that might at least halt some of Tottenham's momentum. And even th- this weekend with with Spurs playing Bournemouth at home, Bournemouth are doing very well at the moment, and you wouldn't put it past Bournemouth to to get something out of that as well. So there there is some hope for United that at least before they 
they go to Tottenham Stadium on in, in just under two weeks' time that, that Tottenham might drop points in, in at least, well, possibly both of those games. I, I don't think many people will be banking on them taking six points from those two anyway. Not a chance Tottenham even get a point at St James's Park. Uh, we'll leave that there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Samuel, for your time. Thank you, Stephen. And thank you, Tyrell. Thank you, Stephen. And is anyone doing anything interesting this weekend before we jump off? Anything of note apart from covering the match on Sunday? Going to Nottingham. I'm going to a yeah. wedding in Manchester City yeah. Centre tomorrow. Oh, okay, you and say, did you Samuel you is... Samuel, no, I'm, I'm going oh, to sorry. Forest as well. I'm at a wedding tomorrow in, in Manchester City Centre. Oh, there you so. go. Samuel will be driving my soul we're, to, we're, to Nottingham on Saturday. Hopefully, it'll be. We're, we're just we're just waiting. Like we're just awaiting your grand national tip, Stephen. That's it now. Yeah, Off air, obviously, I'll, I'll we don't, don't share don't any any state secrets. <laughs> I look forward to hearing on Monday whose uh, car playlist is better, Tyrone's or Rich's. I'll, uh, I'll have to get the answer from you, Samuel. Oh, Rich's is impossible to beat. I think. Big statement. Big statement. I think that person. Um, take care of the listeners check out on all the audio platforms YouTube, Spotify, Apple as usual have a great weekend take care